Welcome to the SCG Church Young Adults Podcast, where we get to bring you sermons and content to help bring you closer to Jesus, develop your faith, and keep you up to date with everything young adults. Join us Sunday nights at 7 p.m. in the SCG Church Warehouse for our young adult service, or at our main campus services. We hope you enjoy. I hope you guys, well, I hope you guys had an awesome Thanksgiving. As Matt said, my name is Rahelio. Most of you guys probably know me because I'm always hanging around here, so it's super cool to be able to uh, hang out with you guys tonight. And uh, unfortunately, that means we're going to take another pause on the Book of Romans, but we're going to be jumping into something a little bit different that, uh, that I felt that some people could relate to today. So uh, uh, the sermon today is called The Calm and the Storm. And, uh, and I think that this is uh, something that's really important for us as, as young adults, because as I was doing research for the sermon, uh, I was checking to see, like, how much percentage of young adults struggle with, like, anxiety and, and uh, symptoms of depression, and I came to understand that it's about 50%. So uh, I think that m- multiple people here in this room can take something out of the message. And, uh, well, before I even jump into scriptures or, or what God says about it, I kind of want to open up and share a little bit about my struggles with uh, anxiety, depression. Uh, so you guys can relate a little bit uh, as to what um, I've kind of been through. So... Uh, to start it off, uh, uh, I didn't have the best upbringing. Uh, my father was kind of there, but he wasn't there. Uh, and so uh, I, I remember that before I was born, a year before I was born, uh, my dad got very sick because he ate, uh, he ate some pork, and uh, in that pork there was uh, some sort of uh, infection that caused uh, him to develop uh, three worms in his brain that were eating away at his brain. And uh, what this ended up happening was, uh, thankfully, they ended up dying, but what caused, uh, what happened because of this was that he began to have seizures, and uh, he lost his license, his job, everything, all in the same time. So you could begin to imagine what he was going through. He was probably going through so much, and this was all before, uh, one year before having a pair of twins. So if you don't know, I have a twin sister, uh, and so he, uh, he went through a lot. He was struggling a lot, and... Uh, uh, this kind of built up over time. And uh, so about 2010, I was about 11 years old, uh, I experienced something that honestly would change my life forever. And uh, it was a pretty traumatic experience where I was kind of just uh, hanging out in my room, just doing whatever a junior high 11-year-old does, you know, playing video games or whatever. And I just hear like a scream in the other room. And uh, I kind of run over and I freaked out. And it was uh, my daddy who was trying to commit suicide. And uh, my dad... Uh, uh, he was just, you know, filled with blood, and it was just a traumatic experience. Uh, and uh, what ended up happening after that was, by God's grace, my dad survived. Uh, but afterwards, I noticed that whenever I heard anyone scream, or whenever I heard anyone laugh, I had panic attacks. I, I, uh, I ran to the situation. I thought that by me running to the situation, it would make things better. And so that was obviously very difficult, but I think what was heavier than that was uh, the fact that I was filled with worry every day, anxious. Is my dad going to do something to himself? Is he going to hurt himself again? And this was something that I honestly was just too heavy to carry. It was a burden too heavy. And maybe that's some of you tonight. Maybe uh, this, uh, you can relate to being anxious about your future. You guys are all young adults. Maybe who you're going to marry. Or maybe you're worried about uh, your career. Or maybe it's an addiction or something you've been struggling with. Well, maybe you can get something out of tonight. And uh, somewhere in the Bible where we can learn about this um, is actually in the book of Daniel. 
uh, where a, a couple people in this uh, story experienced something very difficult. But before I jump into this story, I kind of want to explain to you a little bit about the book of Daniel. So the book of Daniel is known as a, 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 book, a, a prophetic book. A lot of people think when you, uh, if you're new to church or if you're new to Christianity, you think that, oh, that's the one that's full of like what's going to happen in the future, like the raptures or like all this stuff, like Jesus is uh, coming back. But uh, as I learned uh, actually in school uh, is that uh, it's not so much the book of prophets aren't so much of a foretelling of the future, but a foretelling of God's will and who he is. Um, And so let me give you a couple stats to show you how it's not really all about uh, prophecies. So only 2% of Old Testament prophecies speak about the Messiah, Jesus. Less than 5% of the prophecies speak about the new covenant era. And less than 1% predict events that are yet to come. So the reason why I share these stats is just to uh, emphasize with you guys, it's not really about God talking about what's going to happen in the future, but it's really um, to show um, kind of his will and his relationship with his people, Israel. So uh, at the time, we need to understand another thing as well when we interpret the book of prophets is that the prophets, all they really were, were a covenant enforcer. So at the time, it was the old covenant. And what it meant was if you did good, God would bless you. But if you did bad, you'd be cursed. And so uh, what, why it's so important to understand that as we read the book of Daniel is because actually the book of Daniel takes place with God's people being sent to Babylon, an enemy nation, to be enslaved, to be slaves because of their disobedience. And uh, it's very important to understand also kind of uh, the context, uh, the cultural context is that it was in 600 BC, and at the time, the king of, of uh, Babylon was known as King Nebuchadnezzar. And this king, what he, what he was trying to do at the time was he's trying to gather uh, wise men, uh, wise young men, and he was gathering them from Israel. And out of them came Daniel and his three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And uh, out of them, he chose them, and he brought them over. So you can begin to imagine these young men being sent to another country. They don't know the language, and they're going to have to learn a lot of things from this pagan country, this uh, uh, country that worships uh, false gods, Uh, They're going to have to learn uh, how to serve the king there. So it's a lot going on. And uh, to give you some context, I invite you to open up to Daniel chapter 3. But in Daniel chapter 1, what what happens is uh, they're just kind of getting there, Daniel and his three friends. And the king is is, uh, offering them food uh, and uh, tells them to eat uh, certain foods that actually they're not allowed to eat. Because, you know, being Israelites, God's people... They had uh, specific rules at the time for the Jews that they couldn't eat certain foods. So they already had an obstacle that they had to face already, where they're told to eat these certain foods. But Daniel actually seeks the Lord, and he uh, ends up finding favor in the person that was in charge, and he asks if they could eat something else. Uh, And uh, he actually found favor, and they were blessed because of it. So Daniel continued to go on with his friends. But in Daniel chapter 2, King Nebuchadnezzar, uh, the king of Babylon, uh, has a dream. And in this dream... He, uh, he just wants to find out what it means. So he asks all the wise people of Babylon, and this is including Daniel and his three friends. He's asking everyone, uh, well, can someone interpret this dream for me? Can someone interpret this dream? And they say that no one could ever do it. So what ends up happening is that Daniel ends up interpreting the dream as he seeks the Lord and the Lord, and he finds favor again in the Lord. The Lord helps him interpret the dream, and Daniel finds favor again, and he's given a higher position. He doesn't forget to mention his three buddies. Now, in the beginning of Daniel chapter 3, we see that King Nebuchadnezzar decides to make this big golden statue uh, uh, so that the people would worship it. A golden statue. It was about like nine feet wide, 90 feet tall. So this huge statue. And he tells all the people, 
as soon as the music plays, you need to bow down and worship it. See, this is going to cause an issue for Daniel and his three friends because uh, we see clearly that uh, they shouldn't be doing something like this. Uh, Go ahead, put up the next slide. In Exodus chapter 20, verses 4 through 5, it says this. You shall not make for yourself the carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God. So we see that this is something that's completely prohibited. So we begin to see a little bit more of how much these guys are struggling because they're just constantly being told to do the wrong things. And so uh, uh, what we end up seeing after this is kind of what we're going to jump into now. So I want you guys to go to verse 13. That's what we're going to be reading from. So if you don't have a Bible, we're going to have it on the Sky Bible. Let's read it together. So it says this. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in furious rage, commanded that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought. So they brought these three men, they brought these men before the king, Nebuchadnezzar, answered and said to them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I have set up? Now, if you're ready, when you hear the sound of this horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music, to fall down and worship the image that I have made, well and good, But if you do not worship, you shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? So we see, uh, it's kind of one of those questions where it's like, what do you even do? It's like, well, you're threatening me with my life if I tell you the truth. And we're going to find out what they say. Um, But you can begin to imagine the storm that these three men are are in right now. Uh, They're already sent to another country. They're struggling. They're doing all these things. And now they're being told, if you do not disobey your God by bowing down to this uh, false God, then you're going to get killed. Not only that, you're going to get thrown into a furnace. Just imagine that, guys, like for a second. Like that's, that's, that's insane, right? And so, well, let's find out what their response is. Uh, verse 17 says this, if this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. So uh, we see a pretty incredible response from these young men. Uh, immediately they say something like, well, our God can save us. Well, and I think this makes sense. As I went over Daniel chapter 1 and Daniel chapter 2, we see that the Lord had already uh, saved them from multiple difficulties. Uh, especially in chapter 2 where they should have died, but through the Lord uh, answering uh, Daniel's prayers and helping him interpret the dream, they were able to survive. Also remember another thing is that these men are Israelites. So as Israelites, they remember when God freed their ancestors from slavery in Egypt. Not only that, he helped them cross the Red Sea on dry ground. Not only that, but he helped them get to the promised land. So there's a beautiful thing about remembering what God has done for you. And that word remember is so important because it's what helps us get through the trials of life, the storms of life, is remembering what the Lord has already done for you. And that's a beautiful thing because then we see in verse 18, it talks about even if he doesn't, we will still not bow down to your image. So this isn't a faith that is based on blessings. It's not just like, okay, I won't do it because I know God is going to save me. They know that God can, but they're saying, I will do it even if I suffer. And that's a beautiful thing. That's like, saying, that's, like a, that's like saying, I trust you, God. I trust you that no matter what happens, you've got me. And there's a beautiful thing to that, to trusting the Lord. We see in verse 19, it says, Then Nebuchadnezzar was filled with fury, and the expression of his face was changed against them. He ordered the furnace heated seven times more than it was usually heated. We see that he's just super mad. He's very frustrated with them. 
But there's such a beautiful thing with uh, these three Israelites is just saying that they trust God. They just trust God no matter how it goes. There's a, there's a freedom in that, saying, Father, I trust you. Now let's uh, continue on to verse 20. It says, And he ordered some of the mighty men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their cloaks, their tunics, their hats, and their other garments, and they were thrown into the burning, fiery furnace. Because the king's order was urgent and the furnace overheated, the flame of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So we see that the two men uh, from Babylon, the ones that were following um, the king Nebuchadnezzar, it was so hot that they instantly died. They were instantly scorched. Uh, let's finish what uh, it says in verse 24 and 25. It says this, Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and rose up in haste. He declared to his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound into the fire? They answered and said to the king, True, O king. He answered and said, But I see four men unbound, walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt. And the appearance of the fourth is like a son of the gods. It's pretty incredible to see that they're unbound and they're unharmed in the fire, that they're not burnt, that they're not, uh, they didn't suffer um, from the flames. And the beautiful thing is uh, that fourth person in the fire, it says it's like a son of gods. Uh, there's whole uh, controversy, like uh, if, if it's Jesus, if it's the pre-incarnate Christ, but what we do know is that God saved them. We can talk about that another day, but what we do know is that God saved them from the fire. Um, but the beautiful thing is, uh, we even see this in the Old Testament through Isaiah. He says this, about God. He says this, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned and the flame shall not consume you. Uh, I think what stands out the most to me in this verse is I will be with you. I will be with you. There's such a beautiful thing to know that God is with you in your struggles in life, that God is with you. I feel like that's even more beautiful than whether or not he does something about what you're going through. Just knowing that a God that loves you is with you and he wants what's best for you. Uh, and we see, uh, as we compare the three Israelites, compare them to the two uh, Babylonians that got burnt, uh, I think the, the biggest difference between the two of them uh, wasn't uh, the amount of faith they had, but the object of their faith. So we see that the Israelites, their faith was in uh, Yahweh, in the God of Scripture, the God of the Old Testament, the God of the Bible. And the other two men, their faith was in a king, just a human king, and uh, we see the difference, uh, two getting burnt and the others surviving. We see in Proverbs 3, 5, it says this, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. This is such a beautiful verse. It's uh, showing us that uh, when we trust, and I think this is exactly what the three men did, is that they trust in the Lord with all their heart. That's why they weren't freaking out. That's why they said, you know what? God, whether he saves me or not from the fire, I'm gonna be okay. And there's a beautiful thing to that. And we see that they did not lean on their own understanding. If they did, they probably would have bowed down to the idols. They probably would have done something different. But there's such a freedom in saying, you know what, God, I trust you. Whichever way it goes, I surrender. Take it from me. There's such a beautiful thing about that that gives us that calm in the storm that sometimes we never think is possible. Uh, you see, God is not always gonna answer our prayers, but through the battles, he will be with us. And uh, we're gonna grow to trust him more as we go through things in life. And uh, always trying to remember what he has already done. But I'll be honest, uh, uh, similar to the Israelites, I would always forget uh, as they were trying to get to the promised land. Uh, this can be a struggle for us. We don't remember that just not too long ago, God did this amazing thing for me. Um, and so it's just so important to remember what he's done. You see, uh, one of the best examples of uh, uh, 
uh, prayer obviously is going to come from Jesus Christ himself, the Son of God. And uh, we're going to kind of jump into uh, Matthew 26. But even before I go into that, it's kind of interesting. So in my personal devotionals, uh, I was doing Matthew this month, and I was doing one a day every month. And funny enough, today's the 26th. So I just thought, like, it's kind of funny that I ran into that verse again. Let me read it for you. It says this. In going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. So we see Jesus. Uh, the context of this is that he is about to be crucified. He's about to be handed over by one of his friends, Judas, that betrayed him. And he's going to be sent over to be crucified. And Jesus is speaking to his father. And he's saying, Father, take this cup from me. And I'm going to kind of share with you guys what, what was in the cup of Jesus uh, of Jesus at the time. What is he referring to? It sounds interesting. What, what was in that cup? Well, Jeremiah 25 says this. Thus the Lord, the God of Israel, said to me, Take from my hand this cup of wine of wrath and make all the nations to whom I send you drink it. They shall drink and stagger and be crazed because of the sword that I'm sending among them. See, what I want you guys to know is that because God is holy, because God is love, because God is good, he must hate what's evil. And so Jesus was on the way to pay for the sins of those who would believe in him. He was about to suffer the greatest suffering of all of mankind. And uh, we see the truth in this as we read John 3.16, that famous verse that says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And we see that Jesus himself sets such a great example for us that he goes to the Father. He's authentic. He, he, he says, Father, I need you right now. He goes to the Father. I need you. He's being authentic. He's not trying to hide it. See, I think this is something that we do a lot and I've done myself is that when we go through something, we don't want to admit that this is a struggle hey, like, maybe this is actually, like, bad for me. Like, uh, like I'm struggling right now. But there's such a beauty in, in, in just admitting it. Like, you know what? I'm struggling right now. Uh, and, I, and you can be authentic with God. That's what I want you to know today. You can be authentic with God. If you're angry, go to him. He already knows you're angry. He, he, he already knows if you're sad, you might as well go to him in that sort of manner. Don't try to um, hide your emotions with him. No, he wants you to come to him with what you're going through. And... Uh, so Jesus gave us, always gives us the greatest example. And uh, it's beautiful because even Jesus himself is uh, saying, Father, your will be done. Father, your will be done. Father, I trust you. And so my question for you guys today is, uh, what is in your cup of suffering? What are you currently struggling with? Kind of think about it in your head right now. What is it that's causing you struggle right now? What is it causing you to, to suffer as I share with you uh, what it's been for me this year? So... Uh, this year, uh, February 7th, uh, my mom was diagnosed with cancer. And uh, I'm, I was the first uh, Christian in my family, and my mom was uh, converted shortly after me. So uh, and this, is, this happened pretty early on in her faith. I remember just a couple weeks before she uh, was going to get baptized, we got the news. And I'll be honest, as soon as I heard the, the, the news, I kind of just acted like, you know, uh, it's not a big deal. Um, I, I lied to myself. But it was because I didn't really want to go, go through it. But Honestly, uh, over time, I just couldn't take it anymore. You know, I, if you know anything about me, I, I love playing soccer. So I remember one time I, I played soccer on a Saturday morning, and uh, it's usually just such a joy for me. But honestly, I, I had no joy. I just kept on thinking in my head, what's going to happen to my mom? What's going to happen? What are they going to tell me about these results? What are they going to tell me about this? Like, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? Just constant worry, constant, constantly being anxious. And uh, it wasn't until... Finally, that I was just kind of driving in, in the car and just 
just kind of just with the Lord, just listening to a worship song, and I just finally said, you know what, Father? I do not know what's gonna happen with my mom. I don't know. I don't know whether she's gonna, she's gonna die shortly of this disease. I don't know uh, what's gonna happen, but Father, I trust you, and I love you, and I know that you love me, Father, and no matter what happens, everything's gonna be okay because it's in your hands, not in mine. And as soon as I kind of prayed that and I, in my head, I just began to cry and I just began to understand that I had a peace that I never thought possible. I had a calm in the storm that I never thought possible. And it's such a beautiful thing that God offers. And uh, I'm not gonna say this is gonna come overnight, but this is a, just such a beautiful thing that God does. And uh, I had the privilege not too long ago, that, uh, it was on Wednesday, to go to my mom's church and share her testimony with the battle of cancer. Uh, she originally, I had written it for her, uh, in, uh, I had written it for her, but she was so emotional and crying so much. She's like, you need to do it. The funny thing about this though, she told me kind of last minute, so I couldn't really read off the paper. So I just kind of shared. Um, but what's beautiful about it was, um, uh, we ended up sharing that, uh, on my birthday, uh, the 29th of September, my mom is actually cancer free. Um, and at that time everyone started clapping, but I told them, uh, it's great. God is amazing. He healed her. This is beautiful. But really what we're trying to share is that it's not about the miracles, but it's about the one who does the miracles. And he did a greater miracle by allowing us to have joy and peace in the midst of difficulty. And what's so cool about all of this as well is that as I was there, uh, a lady came up to us and she shared with us that she was struggling with uh, breast cancer and that the Lord was with her. Though, And I asked her, in your struggle with breast cancer, I asked her, what is it that uh, what was the, the, the most beautiful thing that you saw Jesus do? And she said, you know what? It was the fact that Jesus loved me, the fact that I could have peace, and that peace wasn't dependent on what was gonna happen, whether I was gonna survive this cancer or not, but it was that he loved me and that I was safe in his arms. And I thought that was beautiful. It reminded me again that there's so much freedom in surrendering to God. So now uh, I wanna share a couple practical ways that we can do this. There's four that I'd like to share with you today. The first one is this, it's be honest. As I said earlier, be authentic with God. If you're having a hard time, speak to him about, speak to him about it how you feel. You don't have to hide your emotions. God wants you to come to him how you feel. Just be authentic with him. Number two, pray and surrender. Go to the Father just as Jesus did in the garden. And uh, there's a beautiful thing to know um, that God is a God, God is a good father that cares for you. It's like when a child, I begin to imagine when I was a kid. When I was a kid, I was uh, really scared of the dark. I was scared of the dark. I was just full of fear. I don't know why. And uh, I remember there's such a comfort when I'd run over to the, my parents' room and just be with them. Such a comfort. Like, it was just like, everything's okay. Like, it was like if all the monsters disappeared. Um, but that's such a beautiful thing because God is such a good father. When you go to him, you feel comfort. You feel that he's with you. And uh, there's a cool example of this. Uh, in Psalms 3, David, uh, King David, if you don't know about King David, he, uh, he was the second king of Israel. And uh, if you, as soon as I say this, you'll know who he is probably, even if you don't regularly go to church. He's the one that slayed Goliath. And uh, David, in Psalms 3, there's something crazy going on. David uh, actually uh, is in a sticky situation. So his son just stole uh, oh, actually, I'll go back even further. His son killed one of his other sons. Then he plots to steal his kingdom. He takes his throne, and he ends up doing a bunch of wild stuff uh, where he actually ends up even, like, sleeping with, like, 10 of his concubines. 
crazy. And then, not only that, he's trying to kill his dad now. And now, all of this in mind, David, in Psalms 3, goes to the Lord and says, Lord, how many enemies I have around me? He says, they say to me that you will not save me. But what's cool about this psalm is that in, psalms, in, in verse 3, already in verse 3, there's such a change of, in mind. He begins to say, but Lord, you're my glory. But Lord, you lift me up. See, it was so beautiful. He remembered who God was, that he was going through something incredibly difficult, but he remembered who God was. And that goes to the next one, number three, remember. Remember what God has done for you. Remember all the times that he's brought you through and all the things that he has done for you. Uh, this was kind of the best piece of advice I heard as I was struggling with my mom's diagnosis and I just, uh, I kind of walked up to Matt and I was like, well, like, what do I do? Like, I'm having a hard time right now. Like, and he just told me to remember. And I remember like thinking like, that's so, sounds so simple, but it's so true. And I wrote down five things that God did for me when I least expected it. And I had my mom do the same and it was such a comfort to us. Uh, number four is this, fellowship. This is the reason why we're here is to have fellowship with other Christians. It's so important to share um, our burdens and our joys. And I've been able to make some amazing friends here at the church that really mean, the, mean so much to me. And we see Jesus himself when he was in the garden. He had his uh, three best friends out of the disciples, uh, uh, Peter, James, and John, that even they were with him as he was praying to his father, close by him. And it's such a comfort to have them around you. Now, uh, as I invite the worship team up, uh, I just wanna share with you guys that these, this life is full of battles. And if you're a Christian, uh, there will be many battles because you're following Christ, the one who suffered the most. So suffering is something that we will go through in this life. Um, there's this famous verse in Romans 8.28 that God does everything for your good. But then we see actually in Romans 8.29, it says that uh, to conform us to the image of Christ, which is such a beautiful thing. It's sanctification. And, but when you begin to think about it, it's, it's a journey. It's full of battles, as we are being formed to the, to the perfect man, Jesus, um, there's so many battles that come. That's why it's so important for us to remain in fellowship. It's such a, it's such a beautiful thing to be around uh, fellow Christians. And uh, another thing that I wanna recommend is just the importance of staying in the word. I remember when I read this book of, of Daniel, it was uh, uh, when we were in Catalina in, uh, in men's retreat and Matt was preaching on it. And uh, it was just so good to just be in the word. It was just so good to... Have God reveal his character through his word. And uh, so kind of what I want you guys to do today, what I invite you to do is I want you to go to God with something that is causing you suffering. Go to him, pray to him, and uh, surrender it to him. Uh, and uh, Carly picked out this awesome song. It's called Peace Be Still. And in this song, it's kind of the words that Jesus said uh, as he calmed the seas when he was with the disciples in the boat. Uh, I want you to just understand that Jesus can calm your heart and with whatever you're going through and that it's so beautiful to trust in God now with the little things because when something big comes up, you will know that he'll be there for you. So I just want you to remember that God doesn't always calm the storm, but he can calm you in the storm. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank you so much. Thank you for being the best father. I just pray for anyone here, Lord, that doesn't know you. Lord, that you may reveal yourself to them. I'm so grateful, Lord, for all that you've done. It's so beautiful, the peace that you offer and the love that you have for us, Father. So I just pray that tonight you pour out your grace. I pray that even in, as the young adults uh, just come to you in prayer, Lord, that they may be comforted by you. We just love you and we thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.
We hope you enjoyed listening to the SCG Church Young Adults Podcast. For more information about our services, events, and ways to get involved, head on over to scgchurch.org. Thanks again for listening.